out of them. You see Christ just oozing out of them. You also see people who have been saved for a very short period of time who have surpassed their understanding of faith beyond some people who have been saved a lot longer. It isn't about how long. It's about what our relationship with Christ. And so here at Journey, we don't do the comparison game. That's why I didn't like that stair-step thing. I, I don't want you comparing yourself to other people. I want you to compare yourself with you. What does God want for you? And in this area of community, what does God want for you? As you look at yourself, well, one of the things he wants is you to do what's reasonable. And what else he wants? He wants you to understand perspective. It's all about perspective. We should not think of ourselves more highly than we ought. All of us probably know people in our lives who have done that. And maybe some of us have been accused of doing it, and I don't ever want to be accused. I want you to know that I don't think of myself more highly than I ought. But you know what God asks you and me and our faith and our connection with each other and community? is Don't think of yourself higher than you should. Instead, with sober judgment, instead actually reasonably looking at the evidence, you should think of others more than yourself. You should put others in front of you. Hey, here's a good challenge. Don't take the first parking spot that's empty, closest to the church. Park further away. Well, pastor, that would mean I'd have to walk further. <laughs> so it would. The challenge this week, I want you to think, how can I put other people's needs ahead of my own this week? How can I do that? How can I make sure that I go out of my way to communicate that other people are more important to me than my own personal rights? It's all about perspective. But also, there's another reason for this. Because, in fact, we belong to each other. In the Christian faith, we who are fellow believers belong to each other. Look at Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. For just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Did you know that I belong to you? Like, you own me. Now, you don't own me in the sense of this. Pastor, here's my tithe. And if you do some things I like, I might even add a little to that. Is that the sense of belonging to each other? No, it doesn't say we own just one particular. It means we belong to each other. You belong to me, and I belong to you. We belong to each other. We are a part of a unit. Did you see how it pictures that? We are a body. This finger belongs to the rest of it. It's not more important. It has its own particular functions. When I go to pick up a, a bunch of chips, I'm glad that I have these. But they aren't on their own. They don't live a separate life. They're connected to the body. And you who are many, though you are many, you belong to one body. And we all belong to each other. And so God asks us in this issue of community and in service. He says, do what's reasonable, which is presenting ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to him. Some of us need to check that. 
How are you doing in the area of holiness? How are you doing in the area of living your life as a Christ-centered follower? He says that's reasonable for us. Then he says to each one of us that we need to have an understanding of perspective, that we are not as important sometimes as we think we are, and that we belong to each other. And then he says to each one of us that we're to be all in. In this issue of service, understand this. Community and service, neither of them are token things where we say to ourselves, you know what, I've done one thing this week about community, and I've done one thing this week about service, and so then I'm kind of, I'm settled in, I'm okay, right? This isn't about a checklist of things that we can do to make ourselves feel better. I believe that we are to be all in, and this is what he says in verses 6 through 8. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I believe that every one of you who call Jesus your Lord and Savior have been given a spiritual gift. At least one, probably more. And do you know why you've been given that spiritual gift? Not so that you can get it tattooed on your forehead and you can walk around and say, I'm the hospitality person. The Bible's really clear about why he gives us these gifts. Do you know why he gives us these gifts? He gives us gifts so that we can build up the kingdom and that we can edify the kingdom. He gives us gifts so that we can encourage one another. He gives us those gifts so that we can relate to one another, so that we can grow each other and be there for each other. He gives us these gifts so that we can reach out to this world who needs so desperately to know that Jesus loves them. And for you, it might be prophesying. For you, it might be teaching. For you, it might be offering wisdom. For you, it might be discernment. For you, it might be, and the list goes on and on. Would you be willing to know what your gift is? Would you be willing to know and ask God, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? You see, I don't think it's just in the area of, of giving that we should ask God what he wants us to do. I think it's in the area of serving too. And I think every one of us should be serving God in his kingdom. Now understand that I make the distinction. I don't think that every one of you has to be doing something that is officially offered at Journey. I mean, that would be great. I think there's lots of places where we could use volunteers. And if you're struggling with trying to figure that out, come talk to me. Take me out for coffee. We'll sit down together. And if you say to me, Pastor, I want to serve here, can you help me? Oh, you better believe we'll help you get plugged in. But also understand that I'm a pastor that believes that the kingdom of God is bigger than 131 Duncan Lane. And there are ways in the kingdom of God that he has for you to serve. And we each need to be serving in the area that he has gifted us, in the area that he asks us to serve. That's why it says, according to the grace that has been given to each of us, we are compelled to serve him. We are compelled to be in community to realize that this thing is bigger than me. We are compelled to serve to realize that this thing is bigger than just here. God asks us to be a people of community and service. In scripture, there are about a hundred times when one another is listed. And I have a, a slide up there that's going to help you figure that out. The Greek word for one another actually is one word. And I kind of think it's interesting. It's, the capitals kind of help you put the 
emphasis on it. So the word is alelon, alelon. Let's say that, alelon. Can you say that? That just helps the rest of you wake up. Alelon. Can you figure that out? This one another thing, if we don't figure it out, guess what we're going to be? Alelon. Now, that's not spiritual. That just happens to be English. If we don't figure out how to relate one to another, we are going to be all alone. But together, we can be all alone. We can be together. About 100 times in about 94 verses, this term is used. And about 47 times, it is used specifically as encouragements to Christians. And of those, let's kind of slide the slide through, one-third of those are about unity. And I can give you a list. I just didn't think that listing out one-third of those, about 30 verses, is going to really help you. But if you want to know what they are, I'll send you. I have other slides that actually include every single one of the passages of Scripture. About one-third of the one-anothers of those 47 that actually tell us as Christians how we're supposed to function, about a third of those are about unity. Do you think unity is important to God? Do you think community is important to God? That we should connect with each other? Oh, I think it's extremely important to God. It's important to our faith. It's what we are about. We are not silos and alone Christians. About a third of them are about love. Do you think love is important? Now, I'm not talking about just this kind of fuzzy feeling that you get when someone gives you a hug and they haven't seen you for two or three weeks and they've been in Florida collecting sand and they come back next week and and you give them a great hug and say, oh, I love you, I miss you. These passages about love, some of them are extremely deep. Some of them are like, you know, loving people who, who are really hard to love. You know, like that real love, the stuff that actually challenges you. It's easy to love people who are easy to love, isn't it? We all know them, the, the cute little grandmothers who are just so easy to love, especially when they have a loaf of bread in their hand, and they're saying, give me a hug, dear, and I'll give you this loaf of bread, and it's still warm, and you can smell the yeast, and you can just... There are people that are easy to love, but there are also people that are hard to love. Some of us have to kind of fight an abrasive personality. Do you know some of us? And some of us are harder to love than others. But a third of the one another's in Scripture are about love. A third of them about unity. About 15% of them are about humility. And if we are going to be a people of unity and a people of love, we need to figure out that we also need to be a people of humility. Which goes right back to the fact that we should not think of ourselves more highly than we ought. Today, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you in the area of community and the area of service. Now, if you thought this, this service was going to, this, this, this message was going to give you a list of 10 or 15 things that you could do here at the church, that's not what I wanted to do this morning. What I wanted to do this morning is to tell you that you are not all alone. But as we relate to one another and encourage one another and love one another, as we bear with one another, are patient with one another, as we struggle together with one another, we as the body of Christ find a unity that is beyond all unity. In fact, there are people who come to our church who maybe are just visiting and, and they, one of the first things they notice is like this group actually likes each other. And I need to tell you what a blessing that is as a pastor. 
to hear, to have emails come back into us as we kind of send out an email saying, thanks for coming, thanks for filling out a hello card. If you noticed anything, we'd love to hear what your first experience was like. We get emails back saying, you know, I walked through the doors of Journey and I just, I knew that you guys loved each other. I just could see it, I could feel it, I could sense it. You're good at this. I think we could be better. Is that okay to say? If we're really good at something, isn't it okay to think that we could actually be better at it than we are now? Sometimes uh, Jim Collins says that, that the, the enemy of great is actually good. I want to be great at welcoming people. I want to be great at community. I don't want to just be good. Good is not good enough. I always want to be better. My challenge to you today is, is there a way that you can think, even this week, that you could tangibly step up in the area of community. Now, back when we were kids, do you remember that? Frustrates me when pastors say that because it's their perspective. Back when I was a kid may not have been back when you were a kid. But when we were all a little younger, I remember like Sunday night service. Remember that Sunday night service? And we used to go to somebody's house every Sunday night or have somebody else in our home every Sunday night. And I understand that life is complex, and I'm not suggesting to you for a minute that if you're going to be the Christian that this pastor wants you to be, you're going to start having people in your homes. I'm not saying that at all. But some of you, you need to start doing that. Not because I say so, but because God is going to tell you, you know what? We, we could do that. We could have people in our homes. Some of you need to get connected into a life group. Because life group is all about community. In fact, there was a life group meeting of leaders the other night, and one of the stories that was told is that a new family came to our church and they were expressing during their life group how much their life group felt that they were in community. And out of that life group grew relationships. So I challenge you, how are you doing in community? Because it's not about me, is it? Is, is the Christian faith about me? There's another slide that says that it's actually about we. I want to challenge you to, this week to think about we not just me. Because if you live your faith out and it's all about me, then I think we're a little bit short-sighted in our faith. Our faith is about we. It's about encouraging one another. It's about being there. And our service, you know what our service is? It's about with, not just for. And as we're going to be challenging us about being generous Our generosity, as we have talked before, is not just about writing checks and giving money. Our generosity is about connecting with people. In fact, I would love it if we wouldn't just feel like we need to write a check and give that to somebody who is is in in, in a, a situation where they need money this week. You know, the best thing would be to do is for us to go actually and visit that person, to bring a meal to that person, to spend time in relationship with that person. So the buzzwords for today, this whole community and service thing, it's about we, not just me. And it's about with, not just for. And as we connect with each other in service, we are going to grow in ways that we never even thought possible. This is an amazing time to be at Journey. I am blessed to be your pastor. I am blessed to see community just flourish. I am blessed to see service be in the forefront of people's minds. And if you ever want to get involved, a cup of coffee in a half an hour could amazingly change my life with you and your life with me. Let's pray together. Lord, today, 
as we've drawn some understanding out of Romans 12, I thank you, Lord, that you ask us to present ourselves to you as holy and pleasing. I thank you, Lord, that, that you compel us to have a faith that is growing, a faith that is committed. I pray at this moment that each one of us would reflect on that. How is my faith? How is my relationship with Jesus? I thank you, Lord, that we exist here to glorify you. And may that be the model for our own personal lives as well. And I pray, Lord, that as we think about community and as we think about service, that we would take it upon ourselves to listen to you, to lean into the voice of God. What areas of community do you want us to get involved in, either to receive or to give community? What areas of service, Lord, do you want us to lean into? Thank you, Lord, for giving us spiritual gifts, each one of us. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of one body as we worship and as we serve together. I thank you for all the one another's that we have. And I pray that as we express our faith and walk our walk with you and with each other, that you are pleased with what you see. Today, we just offer ourselves to you. And we say to you, Lord, whatever you want, my answer is going to be yes. I praise you, God, for this people. And I thank you for the blessing of leading them. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.